0: good morning so we're nearly at the end of our series what is church after today there's just one more to go so we've been looking at the new testament letters of 1 peter and ephesians to see how they describe the church and its people through this we're trying to understand who we are as a church today and what we should be doing now this morning we're looking at ephesians 2 21 on the topic a holy temple as in The church is a holy temple. But just like last time I spoke, I couldn't resist going through a few extra verses. That's partly because this is a fantastic passage, but more importantly, it should help us understand a bit of context about the meaning of this phrase, a holy temple. So, as ever, I recommend finding yourself a Bible and following along. So, that's Ephesians 2. So, to set us the context, The chapter essentially starts with a retelling of the Gospel message. The author, Paul, tells us that we're separated from God by our sins, but he sent Jesus to die for us, so that, as verse 18 says, through him we both, that is, Jews and Gentiles, or non-Jews, have access to the Father, God the Father, by one spirit. Then we get to verse 19, that Alice spoke to us about at celebration a few weeks ago. Consequently, as a result of Jesus' sacrifice, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So this would have been a radical idea for Jews and Gentiles at the time. There were all these racial, religious, cultural and social barriers between the two groups. But, Paul is saying, Gentiles are now equally citizens of God's kingdom and members of his household. Then we get to another theme that might sound familiar. You are members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So we looked at the idea of God's people as part of a building with Louise in 1 Peter 2 verse 5. There Peter talks about, God's people being living stones built into a spiritual house. That passage goes on to talk about this same idea of Jesus as the cornerstone, the most important and first stone to be laid that helps line up the rest of the building. So back in Ephesians, we get next to today's main verse, which is verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together to become a holy temple, in the Lord. So thanks to Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are now both members of God's household, which has Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and becomes a holy temple in the Lord. Then verse 22, we too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. Okay, so We get the flow of the passage and how each verse fits together, but what does it mean? What are the implications for us and Jesus being a holy temple in the Lord? Well, to understand that, let's dig into what a holy temple is in the literal sense, and that will show us what Paul means metaphorically. So in Paul's day, a temple stood in Jerusalem that was the second one built there. The first had been destroyed by the invading Babylonians around 600 years prior, along with Jerusalem itself. The second temple is what Paul and before him Jesus knew. Now, throughout the gospels, we can see a parallel between the fate of the second temple and the fate of Jesus himself. In the gospel accounts, Jesus clearly has huge respect for the second temple. After all, it was God's dwelling place. Hence, on at least one occasion, he's horrified by the abuse of the temple courts and drives out the corrupt merchants. And right after this event, John records Jesus saying, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Now, John is clear that Jesus is talking about himself in that passage, rather than the physical temple. Jesus was destroyed or killed and rose again on the third day after his death. But we shouldn't miss that Jesus predicted that the actual temple was going to be destroyed after his death. He made this prophecy in Mark 13. And sure enough, history repeats itself. And in AD 70, the Romans invade and destroy both the second temple and again Jerusalem itself. And so it has been for 2000 odd years since. No other temple has been built where the first two stood. So what about the raising bit? Jesus raised himself, he came back to life. So what about the temple? Well, there's much debate about whether there will or should eventually be a third temple. But personally, I think the biblical narrative is telling us another story. Through Jesus' death, he is now raising a different sort of temple. So back to our main verse, Ephesians 2, 21. Paul is talking about a holy temple in the Lord, built on Jesus as the chief cornerstone, on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, and us, Jesus' followers, joining to become part of it. This is clearly not a physical temple, like a bunch of Christians stacked on top of each other in the shape of a building, but a spiritual one. There is no need for a physical temple anymore, a place where God would reside, because God through his Holy Spirit now resides in us, his followers, ever since Jesus ascended to heaven and the Spirit imbued the believers at Pentecost in Acts chapter two. So if you need further evidence of this, uh, Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians three 16. Do you, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And in 2 Corinthians six, we are the temple of the living God. And perhaps most poignantly, Revelation 21, which details a prophetic vision of the future when Jesus returns to unite heaven and earth. The prophet writes, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, that is Jesus, are his temple. So we the church, along with God the Father and God the Son, are the new temple. Now that sounds amazing. We form part of the New Jerusalem Temple, Uh, what was once this glorious construction with gold, jewels and intricate carvings of angels and fruit trees, that's us in partnership with the living God on a foundation of his son Jesus, the Messiah. But what does that all actually mean? In this post-physical temple age, what are the practical implications of us and God being the new temple? Well, to answer that, let's take a look at those verses in Corinthians I mentioned that also talk about the spiritual temple. We'll go through three key implications of being part of this new holy dwelling place of God. I mentioned 1 Corinthians 3.16, so let's turn there in our Bibles. It's a couple of books back from Ephesians. Now, before I get to the bit about us being God's temple in verse 16. In verse 10, Paul puts himself in the position of a builder, saying that others have continued his evangelistic work, but that each should build with care. Then in verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so Paul laid a lot of groundwork for the early Jesus movement, which we now continue. we should be careful to only lay on a foundation of Jesus, because without him, we're not building God's temple, but something else. So, what does it mean to be part of God's holy temple? Point one, it means building on the foundation of Jesus, nothing else. Building without a foundation, or on a poorly constructed foundation, means the building doesn't last. Building on a foundation of wealth, security or success, will cause our lives to crumble. Equally, what I think Paul was more worried about was that people were building on the foundation of him and the other apostles. Don't forget that Jesus is the foundation of this thing we call church. If we only follow Peter, Paul, and the other letter writers of the New Testament, that's not church, that's not the true temple. Equally, if living our lives is motivated purely by trying to be a good person rather than worshipping Jesus, that's not the true temple either. To be truly part of the holy temple in the Lord means keeping Jesus as the foundation, or as it says back in our Ephesians passage, the chief cornerstone. Okay, so that's point one. Being part of God's holy temple means building on the foundation of Jesus, nothing else. For point two, let's keep reading one Corinthians three. So in verses twelve and thirteen, uh, you've got whatever used to, whatever's used to build on the foundation will be revealed with fire. And then verses fourteen and fifteen, uh, you've got this idea that if the building work survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer suffer loss, yet be saved. But only just. Okay, so we've got some scary-sounding imagery there. So first, let's figure out what these materials represent. What does it mean to build using gold, silver and costly stones and so on? Well, those first three are among the materials used to build the actual first temple, as per God's instructions in the Old Testament. So I take that to mean building with obedience. If we obey, if we follow Jesus' instructions and example in living our lives, we will receive a reward, as it says in verse 14. Clearly, that's something to strive for. So there's point two. Being part of God's spiritual temple means building with obedience. But let's keep going on this point because there are three other materials, wood, hay and straw. Now clearly these are not solid building materials in the way that costly stones and precious metals are. The fable of the Three Little Pigs tells us exactly that. The buildings of sticks and straw are prone to destruction. But instead of these structures being blown down by a big bad wolf, Paul tells us that God will allow these flammable materials to be burned up. So if building with the temple materials is obedience, it follows that building with these flimsy materials is disobedience. If we live our lives in the flesh by our sinful, selfish desires, well, the Gospels do tell us if we repent of our sin and commit ourselves to Jesus, we will be saved. But this passage tells us that by living in disobedience, even as saved Christians, we will suffer loss and Only be saved as though one escaping through the flames. Now, I'm not going to speculate as to exactly what that means, but rest assured, you want to do the first thing follow Jesus' example and receive a reward. So, what I think this passage is saying is that once we have Christ as our foundation, the results need to show. If we build disobedience, doing whatever we want for selfish gain, the work we do will be burned up. But if we build with obedience, according to Jesus' teaching and example, the work we do in this life will survive into the next and will be rewarded. So what does it mean to be part of God's spiritual temple? Point one, we need to build on the foundation Jesus laid, nothing else. Point two, we need to build with obedience, which has implications for both us and our building work in eternity. So what's next? Well, the other passage I mentioned was 2 Corinthians 6. So let's have a look there. If I can find it, there we go. So verse 16 uh, says, we, Jesus' followers, are the temple of the living God. Then we get a bunch of promises from the Old Testament about God's relationship with us. Then chapter seven, verse one. Since we have, therefore, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from anything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Okay, so remember from Ephesians that God's temple is holy. To be holy means to be sacred, set apart, or like God. We can't be part of God's temple if we aren't seeking to be holy ourselves. This passage calls it perfecting holiness, or to extend the metaphor, let's say, building towards holiness. So point three, being part of God's temple means building towards holiness. Now, that sounds like a tremendously tall order. becoming holy like God himself. And yes, it is. But there is an important caveat. Notice it doesn't say being holy, present tense. It says perfecting holiness. There's a recognition that we're not there yet. And Paul confirms this back in Ephesians 2. Verse 22 says, in him you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives. Paul recognises that we're not holy right now. We're a work in progress. And yes, it does say perfecting, so there is a high bar to reach. God's looking for perfect holiness in us, but that's not something we'll fully reach until we reach him in heaven. Now, alarm bells might be ringing for some of you because this doesn't seem to fit with something that Jesus himself says. In Matthew 5, verse 48, he says, Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hmm, So have we found a contradiction here between Paul's words and those of Jesus himself? Paul says, Strive towards perfect holiness, but Jesus says, be holy, as in right now? Well, the first thing to note is that there is a bit of wiggle room in the Greek word translated perfect in Matthew. It can mean mature, which fits well with the overall theme of Matthew 5, which is about maturing past the flawed understanding of the old law into an attitude of love for God and neighbour. But really, I think we should just hold these two verses in tension and recognise that God's ideal is that we are holy and perfect, like, like himself and his son Jesus. But through Paul and Corinthians, he recognises perfect holiness as something to continually strive for, not something we realistically are right now. Okay, so that got super heavy and we've been all over the place in the New Testament chasing this very dense temple thing. So let's recap and wrap up. Ephesians 2 tells us that we, the church, are God's holy temple through Jesus. What that means for us is, one, building on the foundation of Jesus, nothing else. Two, building with obedience to God and avoiding selfish disobedience. And three, building towards God-like holiness, modelling ourselves on the Father and the Son. These are all lifelong works in preparation for meeting God in heaven. Now remember Revelation 21, I mentioned earlier, and there being no physical temple and new creation, but God and Jesus are the temple. At this point in history, the temple, that is, God's plan that involves us, his followers, will be complete. There'll be no more building work to do. God's plan will be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will be renewed and united. God's people made perfect through his son, Jesus. A temple is a place to go worship God. But in the new creation, there will be no separation between God and his people. There'll be no need to go anywhere to worship. God will be right there with us. As it says in Revelation 21, verse 3, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be there on it.